This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Thanks so much for being with us. Big announcement happening this afternoon, 1 o'clock in Surrey. Just one of many, well not just, but one of many announcements when we are talking about who will be the next leader of the BC Liberals. And Keith Baldry joins us now from Global BC. Good morning, colleague. Good morning, Joe. Not that they were keeping it secret, because I don't think you could in this scenario, but Diane Watts has not confirmed yet, but I think it would be a huge surprise if she doesn't announce that she's stepping down as an MP and wants to run to lead the Liberals. Yeah, no, she's running. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I had coffee with her last week, and uh, it's interesting. All the the leadership uh, candidates, uh, by and large, sort of quietly met for coffee with myself and other reporters uh, to sort of brief us on their their uh, aspirations and their goals and uh, Diane Watts first out of the shoot uh, actually not first actually Lucy Sager who's a woman nobody really knows who she is but she's from uh, Terrace uh, she's actually the first person to enter the race but Diane Watts the first known uh, first one with was sort of notoriety and and uh, and some rec- name recognition first out of the shoot today uh, at three one o'clock at uh, at a hotel, and others will follow. I mean, it's going to be about a half dozen people before this, at least a half dozen people before this thing's uh, officially underway. Uh, She must have the confidence then to give up her job as an MP to do this. What do you think the strengths are? Is it being an outsider? Is it her role, her her record in Surrey? Well, it's interesting. I mean, she does certainly have a track record as as mayor of Surrey and as MP, and you you mentioned the word outsider. That's the key for her. She is running as an outsider. She has no record of of, uh, involvement with the BC Liberal Party. Rich Coleman, uh, the interim leader, sort of almost dismissed her candidacy a few weeks ago when he told the reporters, oh, well, I've never seen her at at a BC Liberal convention. So she's coming in as, uh, as someone who's not been part of the party and uh, and very much as an outsider. That's both a strength and weakness, I think, uh, for her. You know, the leadership races are not public events so much as they're private events. The public does not elect a leader. Uh, it's it's the relatively small number of people who belong to the BC Liberal Party, and she will have to sign up people. Uh, all leaders uh, have to sign up people to um, in order to to secure a victory. And the way it works, I mean, she's popular in Surrey, no question, and she's known in Surrey, and she's known in sort of the the burbs around Surrey, but she's got to win voters in Kamloops, Prince George, Cranbrook, you know, uh, Port Hardy. Uh, That's where uh, your victory lies. It's not necessarily in a small area in the Lower Mainland. That's a real challenge for Diane Watts. I'm not convinced that she can do it. Uh, but uh, she's got an uphill battle here. For all her her sort of claim to fame in Metro Vancouver, there are 87 ridings in this province, and the way the party works, every riding has 100 points, and you've got to win enough ridings and and the points in those ridings uh, to secure a victory. Christy Clark won the won the leadership in 2011 because she was able to go into ridings held by the NDP and scoop up the voters there, the party members in those ridings, and that's that's the key to victory. So. Uh, Diane Watts has her work cut out for her. I'm not convinced that she's got enough there to bring it home. Uh, do you think we're going to see a lot of Diane Watts in a reflective vest and a hard hat? <laughs> uh, no, I think Diane Watts is going to try to carve out her own identity um, that's going to be different than Christy Clark. Uh, I don't think the party necessarily, 
necessarily needs, you know, Christy Clark uh, point two. Uh, they need another uh, a, a different type of leader, and uh, I think I think Watts is going to try to carve out an identity more on her appeal. What her attempt to appeal, I think, to a much broader base of voters in the party that stretch beyond Surrey out into the interior. And, uh, and but you know, all parties, all. all Perspective uh, candidates are going to have to do that. I mean, I, I had lunch with Andrew Wilkinson, uh, or coffee with Andrew Wilkinson, another big top uh, front row leader. He is going to try to secure as much uh, support outside of Metro Vancouver and show that he's an outside of Metro Vancouver candidate because his weakness is being perceived that he's only from the west side of Vancouver. These candidates, that when they run, are, you know, they're sort of shackled, I think, by their regional identity. Uh, Watts, known as the Surrey person, Wilkinson, known as the West Side of Vancouver person. They've got to sort of broaden their appeal beyond their geographical identity. Well, and isn't that the same obstacle for Sam Sullivan? It is. You know, here's Sam Sullivan, Vancouver mayor, not really known outside of Vancouver, and uh, and, and very much an urban uh, uh, leader uh, with with urban issues on on his plate. Sullivan's an interesting candidate, Jill. I think he's in this race not so much to win, but to really stir up debate on some contentious issues. He's coming. I talked to him uh, a couple days ago. Uh, he's uh, he's talking about legalizing drugs, legalizing heroin. He's talking about charter schools, expanding. Uh, excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Uh, expanding private health care. Uh, you know, some hot button issues that stir up some emotions. And, and Sullivan's coming in there, I think, to try to stir up debate on some really contentious issues and get get the debate going. I don't think Sam's going to hang around for the full $50,000 fee that's due December 29th. In fact, I'd be surprised if everybody who declares their candidacy this week is actually going to be there when the, when the money payment uh, deadline comes at the end of December. But Sullivan's going to stir up some debate on issues that others are probably going to be a little sensitive about. And, uh, his, and that, for that reason alone, his candidacy is, is, is worth watching. Uh, well, and that was my next question. Uh, the, the eventual $60,000 and the hard work it takes, it seems like a lot if you're not in it to, to win it. Uh, but that's an interesting point, to, to stir it up and to get those, uh, those topics out there. Yeah, no, he's uh, exactly. I mean, it's sixty thousand dollars. It's a it's a bit of money, you know, for a bit of money to put up to uh, to run in a in a race where you you know you're not going to get that money back. Now, you know, candidates who who enter are going to have fundraisers, and it's not going to necessarily be their own check uh, of money that uh, that goes to the party, but uh, it's still a considerable sum. Uh, but Sullivan, yeah, no, I think he's. Um, He's a legitimate contender in terms of debating topics and getting debate going on controversial topics. He wants the liberals to sort of think outside the box, uh, you know, consider things that were really not on the table before, and that's probably good for the party. I mean, the party, you know, they need not necessarily new leaders, much as they need new ideas sometimes. And uh, and Sullivan, not saying his, his policies are necessarily popular. But uh, he's going to get some debate going, and I think that's what the party sorely needs, rather than just focusing on, you know, their their policies of the past, which really, when you boil it down, was balance the budget and don't do anything else, and and that's really not enough for the BC Liberals right now. And Sullivan's going to, I think, inject some emotion and passion into the into the debate that was otherwise lacking. But I don't see him as a, a prospective long term 
candidate for the job. Uh, who else are we expecting to come out and officially say, yes, I'm going for the leadership? Well, uh, Mike Lee, who's a new uh, MLA for Vancouver on Garrett, I talked to him last week. He's got a, he's got a sort of, his, his past is more connected to the old progressive conservative party. He was a former staff member for Kim Campbell when she was uh, a minister in uh, the old progressive conservatives. So he's going to be announcing this week. As is uh, Mike Bernier, the former education minister, he's from the Peace River area. Uh, he's going to be coming out. Mike DeYoung, the former uh, uh, longtime finance minister, is going to be uh, announcing as well this week. Uh, Andrew Wilkinson, as I mentioned, a former uh, cabinet minister, he's going to be announcing. So those four are going to be coming out uh, uh, this week to join Diane Watts and Lucy uh, Sager. Uh, and there may be a couple more. Um, that we haven't really uh, encountered on the radar screen, but it's going to be about a half dozen people running for uh, running for the mayor, along and some Sullivan as well. So I think with that seven uh, that I count um, potentially as uh, as candidates for this uh, for the field, it's, it's it's going to be much more crowded than it was in 2011 when we had I think four. We had Dion, Abbott, Falcon, and Christy Clark. Back then, and it's uh, it's a more crowded field, and that and because there's no I you know um, solid uh, I think uh, front runner uh, in terms of this hundred points for riding, it's going to be very interesting, Jill, because it's it's a preferential ballot is what how they're vote uh, people are going to be voting. So you have to rank your second and third and fourth choices on your ballot, and this is where I think Diane Watts may come up short because I'm not sure there's a lot of BC Liberals who view Watts. Being an outsider, being a, a newcomer to the party, as someone's second choice, she may be not a lot of people's second choice or third choice or even fourth choice. It may be if if you know Wilkinson and DeYoung and Sullivan and and Lee and Bernier as members of the party all rank each other, the supporters all rank each other as second, third, and fourth choices. That gives them a great advantage over Watts, who if she's an outsider. It's hard to win if you're an outsider on this preferential ballot system because you may not be a lot of people's second or third choices. And if you don't win on the first ballot, you may be dead, hamstrung. And that's uh, that's a big potential disadvantage for someone like Diane Watts. It's a big gamble as well, giving up your MP seat, likely uh, angering some of your constituents who voted for you uh, to do this. It is, and it's... Uh, it's uh, it is a gamble for Diane Watts, and you know it's. Uh, but I've always wondered, you know, the position that she's in right now, being an MP in a conservative um, opposition party, is kind of a thankless task. And I've often wondered, you know, BC MPs, just the physical uh, arduousness of their job, they have to get on these red eye flights to Ottawa once or twice a week, uh, over and over again. And then it's one thing to do it if you're a member of government where you can actually accomplish things and get things done, even be a minister. It's quite another thing to be an opposition member uh, where you, it's kind of a thankless task where you don't really have a lot of, you don't have any power at all. And you literally get on these, you're, you're constantly battling jet lag. I remember John Cummins, the longtime MP for Delta, uh, telling me that he just how many thousands of hours he wasted or he, he spent on these flights from, uh, from uh, Vancouver to Ottawa uh, all year long, where he was just constantly exhausted. He did it for you know for more than a decade, and Watts has only done it for a little while. And I just wonder if she's 
kind of tired of that that type of uh, existence and position anyways, whether it was a liberal leadership race or not. All right. Uh, Keith, we'll leave it there. One o'clock, the big announcement today. Thank you so much. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.